This morning, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer that's going to make your life difficult. You want to join? It's like, you excited about that? Yeah, yeah. I want my life to be harder than it already is. Yes, yes, this prayer is going to make your life difficult because this prayer potentially requires you to set aside your personal wants and desires to chase after something bigger. You might have to set yourself aside to further the kingdom of God. It's a dangerous prayer. And I believe this prayer embodies the challenge that Jesus gives us when he says, if you're going to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. And then he says this, anyone who tries to save his life is going to lose it. If you're about your own life, your own desires, your own thoughts, your own wants, if you're about yourself, you're going to lose your life. But anyone who loses their life for my sake will find it. And that's how counterintuitive the the gospel really is. And trying to protect and control your environment and your life, in the end you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life just to say, hey God, it's all yours, take it, take my life, you find it. So here's the prayer, okay? The prayer is this. God, break my heart for what breaks yours, God. Break my heart for what breaks yours, God. That, that's a dangerous prayer. Because, really, it's, it's opposite or not consistent with the version of Christianity that's being, being sold to a lot of people. God, make my life easy. I mean, this is not a nice, fun Feel good prayer. What's going to happen is, is some things are going to get stripped away. Some comfort, some ease. And in life is going to become harder. Are you willing? Do you have courage to pray this prayer? And it is also counterintuitive to human nature. We, we want hassle-free lives. We want green lights, a close parking spot. We want well-behaved children. Amen well-behaved children, and we don't want to wake up in the morning and find a big old zit on our face. We want a zit-free life. I'm 45 years old, and I still get a zit every once in a while. I'm like, what is this? I am so past my teenage years. Why is this still happening to me? Yeah, we don't want zits. We don't want any trouble. But if you have courage to pray this prayer right here, you have courage to pray it, God will answer it. And your life is going to become different. Sometimes dramatically. Depending on what God says to you. But listen, you'll be blessed as your heart breaks over something that breaks God's heart. Because now you're aligned with God. You're lockstep with God. And you, your heart is beating with God's heart. And what God does is He downloads inside of you a deeper passion or mission. Something more than than maybe just the the run of the mill. You have a deeper passion. And this motivates you to do great things for God's kingdom. It's important. And what God downloads inside of you, it, it varies from person to person. 
We're talking about the pregnancy center. I, I am always impressed by Deb Nall. I, I, maybe that's a name that's not familiar with you, to many of you, but Deb Nall is the director of these, this pregnancy center that we're supporting during this Sanctity of Life, Right to Life movement right now. But this lady is a remarkable lady. She is like a short, short person. But that, it doesn't matter how short she is. She has crazy amount of passion. She loves women and loves children. And her heart breaks, just breaks, when an unwanted pregnancy ends in abortion. Breaks. Like she gets righteous anger. You see her? She gets righteous anger. Building up in that little body of hers. She has righteous anger. I think she actually has some sleepless nights. She talks about it. Especially recently with this Proposal 3. It's driving me crazy. I used to have a full head of hair. Proposal 3 was passed, all gone. That's what happened. Just fell right out. No, it just drives me crazy because this is the death of children. I just can't get over this. I, now listen, I say this because I, I, on the, the cultural narrative that we're living under, this is bad. This is wicked at its worst. But at the individual level, i, I got to say this, I have to be careful to say this. Every time I bring up a, topics of abortion, I know that there are people who, who've had abortions. Okay? Period of your life, and this seemed like the only option. The power of the cross is that those sins are removed from us. And we don't have to carry that heart hurt and you can experience the redemption of Jesus Christ and walk free of it. But we don't want to keep killing, do we? Do we want more women to go through all that heartache? No. Well, I'm just, Deb, she's a remarkable person. I think she even cries a little, don't you think? Over her cause, her, breaks her heart. I think she cries, I think she weeps. Which puts her in good company with the prophet that we're going to be reading this morning, Jeremiah. I want, I want to take a look at this guy. He's considered the weeping prophet. That's, that's what they call him. That's, what do you think of that? Being, being called the, the, weeping, the weeping prophet. Is that how you would like to be known? The weeping painter? The weeping businessman? The, the, the we- I just think it's kind of embarrassing. But I don't, that's just me. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be known as that. I maybe, maybe you would. But I wouldn't. Jeremiah chapter 8, if you don't have a Bible, we provide one for you. It's in the chair in front of you. And hey, if you don't own a Bible, we want you to walk out of here with a copy of the Word of God. So take that Bible with you. It's a gift. We love to see empty slots underneath those chairs because that means that the Word of God got put in the hands of more and more people. So take that with you, please. Okay. So Jeremiah is a prophet. He's... he's speaking into the people of God really at a difficult time. It's the waning years of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Israel. And at this point, the Jewish nation has been whittled down to just Jerusalem and Judah, the tribe of Judah. And now, even Jerusalem is being threatened by big bad Babylon. Big bad Babylon. BBB, big bad Babylon. And and King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar is considered the servant of God because he is 
bringing judgment to God's people because they've been worshiping idols. God warned them, if you keep worshiping idols, I'm going I'm to raise up nations around you that will destroy you. And they would worship them anyways. Now, it goes past this, this the worshiping of false idols. They, they abused women and children. They did not take care of the orphans and widows. The, the whole book of Jeremiah really details out all the things they were doing. Another thing that the people of God were doing, it talks about in Jeremiah chapter 19, is that they were sacrificing their children to these pagan idols. And you say, what does it look like to sacrifice a child? They would take a child, their firstborn, they would take this bronze altar, they'd build a fire underneath it so that the arms of the altar would heat up, and then they would lay the child on those red-hot arms. And the, the screams of the baby as it was being basically, you know, burned to death, was the worship to that God. Supposedly, you'd have more fertility, and that God would honor that sacrifice and give you more babies and give you good crops. Instead, the one and only true God was angry and brought judgment. Listen, Listen, Chores, listen, listen to me. People viewing online, this, this is still happening. It looks different because now it's clinical. But men and women are choosing to kill their babies on the altar of convenience and self-interest. It's still idol worship. It just looks different. It's still wicked. And we can't have it. It cannot continue to happen. And if you worship idols, God will give a nation or a culture over to their wicked ways. Read Romans chapter 1. And you'll see the degradation of society. Welcome to the United States of America. Right? Jeremiah is bothered. He sees this happening and his heart is breaking for his people. And the judgment that he, he's seeing, they're, they're being really attacked because there's wave after wave after wave that the Babylonians attacked Jerusalem. So he saw it all. A lot of death, a lot of destruction. And his heart breaks for this. Look at verse 18 with me. So Jeremiah 8, verse 18. You who are my comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Listen to the cry of my people from a land far away. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is their king no longer there? Why have they aroused my anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. Jeremiah speaking here. I mourn and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain, for the stain, excuse me, on the slain of my people. 
His grief is unbearable because he's seeing the destruction that could have been thwarted if they just would have repented and lived in obedience to God, but they wouldn't. So now his heart and Jeremiah's heart is breaking. Because he had a burden for the holiness of the Jewish people in obeying God. And see, this is a gut-wrenching burden. When you, when you feel these burdens, they're gut-wrenching. They eat away at us. It's like we can't sleep. All we can do is think about that burden that God's placing on the inside of us. It eats away at you. It gnaws at you. You have no choice but to act. You know, sometimes I think when we, when we think about Christianity, we want Christianity to be this warm blanket and a nice cozy firelit room where it's warm and comfortable and can just kind of like curl up. And I think, and I believe, especially the, the testimony of the Scriptures and all the saints who've gone before us, Christianity is a warm blanket. The Holy Spirit walks through life with you on the precipice. And you are actually taking all of that passion, all that's been put inside of you, and you are now moving forward to serve God. It's powerful. Amen? Break my heart, God. Break my heart for what breaks yours. It's like a holy hurt. And if we're willing to utter these words, right? If we're willing to say this, I believe God will then break down those rigid patterns, whatever they might be, and something new will start. And that's really my prayer. You know, we're in this beginning you know, beginning weeks of, of, of January, right? Beginning weeks of this year, and we're praying and fasting. Three weeks of coordinated prayer and fasting. And why don't you pray for something new? I'm hoping that right now God will give you a vision, not only for, for maybe some need in the community, it could be that, but it could be some need in your own heart. Or maybe your home needs to look different and God is going to download on the inside of you this right here. This is your burden. Chase after this. So that when you're looking at December 2024, you look back and say, yes, I see it. I see what you wanted, God, and I work towards it. At the end of the year, you're going, oh, okay, right. This is what you put inside of me and now we've moved forward in this way. Yeah, and it's not going to be easy. Just not going to be easy. I'm going to warn you. It's going to be difficult. But does comfort ever move us to action? Do you ever like, man, I feel so comfortable. I'm ready to make a change. Does that ever work like that? No, pain purifies. Suffering strengthens. It's this breaking of your heart that will snap you out of our, our self-centered just seeking after comfort and ease. You have to do something. You're compelled to do it. And you can't help but do it. It's been placed in there. What if God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings? I mean, just reading that statement makes me wonder, do I, do I want this? Do I want a holy breaking in my heart? Man, you're all braver than me. If you actually pray this prayer with a sincere heart, who knows what God will do? 
Do you know? It's going to be good. I'm convinced of it. So, okay, how do we walk this out? Well, let's talk about that. Break my heart for a purpose. Well, let's start with that holy burden. We need to really identify with the Lord what that holy burden is. And the Scriptures are filled with examples of holy burdens. But I'll just talk about myself for a second. I've had a burden over the course of really a half a year now. I've been just thinking a lot about the marriage. Marriages in the church, marriages in general. And I really believe that Satan, our enemy, wants to tear apart marriages. Because he knows that if he can divide and fracture a home, whatever's happening with those kids are going to get derailed. And whatever discipleship that's happening in that home is going to really, it's going to be just, I mean, it goes in wrong directions. Amen? All you've gone through divorce, you know it's not good, is it? So I want marriages to be stronger. And the enemy not to get a foothold in marriages. We got a lot of moms and dads on the same page. Now lead to strong homes, to strong churches, to strong community. That's part of the reason I want to do this whole marriage conference. I want us to build in to our marriages. It's so important. That, that burdens me. You know what burdens my wife? Yeah. <laughs> That was quick. That was a man in his 80s. For those online, he said me. I burdened my wife. No truer words have been said, I'll tell you that. A holy burden. Can I say that, Tom? A holy burden for my wife is homeless children, orphans. She, she, her heart breaks for those little kiddos and she wants to bring them into our home. I have enough kids. Daphne, don't bring any more in. And she keeps bringing them in. God. The last two are twins. It's like, are you kidding me? Twins? I, mean, I remember just like God breaking my heart through this whole process. I remember being so upset because when you take in a, a foster child to adopt, they've gone through serious trauma. So they handle their emotions different than your kids, okay? They just handle emotions different. Everything's a bigger deal. They have meltdowns more often. And I remember dealing with meltdown after meltdown after meltdown, and I'm upset. I'm, Daphne, why are you doing this? All I want to do is watch a football game. I can't watch it. You know, I was just truly not walking with the Lord at that moment, please, okay? And I remember thinking to myself, or really hearing from another friend, how inconvenient it is to have foster kids. And that was a breaking moment to me. Because the Lord used that word to totally change the inside of me. I heard the word inconvenient, and I was like, that's my problem. It is inconvenient. And then the Lord just like brought it really home for me, made it very real. Inconvenient? You think the Christian life is about convenience? What did I model to you? This is the Lord speaking to me. What did I model to you? Do you think that's convenient? Do you think a, a, a life of, of truly on the run, pouring out every moment of my existence, this is Jesus 
and the life of Jesus for humanity was convenient? Is, does convenience have anything to do with it? I was like, oh, that's it. I know what to repent of. <laughs> and that, really, that's the breaking of our hearts. We, we're given these holy burdens, and then God refines us through the process. You know, it takes some time to just whittle away, work away, and, just, and then our hearts start looking different. So my wife, kids, you know, God puts inside of me. But, you know, the Scriptures are full of examples of people who have holy burdens. I mean, Moses grew up in the Egyptian palace, and yet he still saw the plight of his people. And it still mattered to him, even though he was in luxury, and he, he didn't handle it well when he was a young man, did he? He used all that holy burden and, and maybe even righteous anger turned into very, very bad anger and he kills an Egyptian, has to spend 40 years out in the wilderness till he can be brought back. He challenges the most powerful person in the world at that time and he can say to him right in the face, let my people go. That's Moses. That's a holy burden. But look at David. I think David's a good example too. Even as a young man, the scriptures say he wasn't really... Big in stature, so he was probably, well, I don't know, five foot six, maybe. I'm insulting people, I think, right now. Well, let's just say he was five foot six. He's a, he's a young warrior. He has a warrior's heart. His mom sends him down to the front lines with a with pack lunch for the brothers, and he sees this Goliath, this Philistine. He's like nine foot tall. But to David, that doesn't matter because Goliath is hurling insults at the armies of God. See, he doesn't just see it as armies, annual armies. No, these are the very armies of God. And, and you can just see the holy burden in his heart when he utters these words, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? You're going to die. That's what's inside of him. Are you with me? I mean, you got to see this just leap off the page when you're reading the Scriptures. It's like, you're going to die. I'm going to take you down. He's just a young man against a hardened soldier who's nine feet tall. It doesn't matter. I don't care how tall. The bigger you are, the harder you what? Fall. And that's what's going to happen. That's a holy burden. Nehemiah. Nehemiah was, he had a cushy job. He was the cupbearer of King Artaxerxes, which means that, you know, you free food all the time, some of the best food. Unless it's poison, then you're in trouble, right? But it was a cushy job until he hears that the, the walls surrounding Jerusalem were in disrepair. And that's bad news. That's bad news if you you know, at that time, because any roaming army had free access to your stuff. <laughs> they could just come in, kill, pillage, destroy, and then take off. So you're in trouble. And so when he heard this, even though he was, had a cushy job, right, that the walls of Jerusalem was broken down and the gates had been burned with fire, when he heard these things, he sat down and he wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I love this because this is exactly what we're doing. We're spending this time praying and fasting. And what I'm, my hope is, is that God is putting something on the inside of you. 
right? Like we're, we're setting time aside to say, Lord, speak to us. And he's saying this right here is what I want you to do. Right? We let the Holy Spirit lead us. And show us how to correctly apply areas of Scripture to our lives. And so he's praying and he's fasting before God of heaven. And then he had a difficult thing to do. He had to go to King Xerxes and say, send me home. Send me back to Jerusalem. i got to fix this. And then when he got there, building those walls were easy. No. If you read the book of Nehemiah, you see that he struggled through the whole process. And there were even a moment when he was so angry that he started banging some heads together. I can relate to this guy. You ever get so angry, you're like, I'm going to bang some heads together. Ever feel that way? Coaches in the room, ever feel that way? No, you're coaching kids and kids are great. Never feel that way. Teachers do though. I know that for sure. <laughs> so how a holy burden works is that you have a clear need. You, you see it. God set this need in front of you. Then you have this emotional response. An emotional or spiritual response. Because it's different for different people. We, we don't all... We, we all have different gifting. We don't all respond to different needs the same way. That's why it's so hard and it, it's so hard and beautiful to be the church because you all are different. Some of you are like, I, I just want people to be discipled. I want everybody to know more and more about the Word of God. And other people say, why are you learning more about the Word of God if you're not doing anything with it? Get out and evangelize. Witness to people. You see how these burdens sometimes don't align well? Some people are like, hey, we've got to be fiscally responsible with our money, so we should have a large nest egg. And then there's the faith people are like, spend it all. The Lord will provide. Just spend it. You know, there's people like that. There's the, there's the people with the gift of mercy that you're just, you're just a warm hug all the time. Bless your heart. We come to you and you're going to get a hug. And then there's the prophets in the room. They're like, well, you can hug all you want, but this is what you've got to change, okay? Just to be clear, after the hug, let me tell you what's wrong with you. So I got the gift of exhortation, so you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it right now. <laughs> but it's interesting to see how these burdens work and how they're applied this is our God. Our God is so, so marvelous. He works out these things in such, in, to every particular person in their own particular way. And I, I, as a pastor, just get to sit back and go, wow, this is neat. As I talk to person after person after person, some people are just like, I, I got to lead. I got to lead in this area. This, things have to be done right. It has to be organized. And then there's other people like me where like, it'll all work out. Let's just make sure that people are loved well. Woohoo! You know, and then other people are like, well, you need to have some kind of plan, right? It's, this is the church. Everyone with their holy burdens. Having those powerful emotional responses. And I also think it's important then to build on that with some holy confirmation. I believe with a need, an emotional response to that need, then you start to see confirmation. You read the Word of God, and certain passages just leap out. You're like, whoa, I've read that a hundred times, but that's amazing. And it starts to just speak on the inside of you. Or maybe you're just you're talking to people, and people keep bringing up what's, you know, what's been placed on your heart. You get these open doors to step forward. You just get this Holy Spirit confirmation. 
pricking your heart, pushing your heart over and over and over again. Holy confirmation. Okay, my iPad died, so you got to be awake back there. Moving forward. Which then leads to holy determination. Okay, you have this inside of you, this holy burden, and then you get this determination to start living with purpose. Burden leads to your determination to see this thing through. And I tell you, that purpose is good. Because you now wake up in the morning not looking forward to lesser things, but something bigger than you for eternity. You know, you know, who, you know who I am. You know I'm just kind of a guy that likes regular guy stuff. And yeah, when Michigan won the college football playoff championship, I was a happy man. It's a very, very happy man. It was good in the Parsekian home. I think we could have bought anything after that, 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 you know, that game, and I would have been happy. The Lions winning, this is amazing. It's like, what's going on in the state of Michigan? We should not have this much good news week after week after week. We're in Michigan. It doesn't work like that. But listen, you know, some of that stuff, it's short-lived. I mean, yeah, these good things happen, but I don't build my life on that. And after a while, those emotions just go away. But when you have a holy burden filled with holy determination, it doesn't go away. That purpose is with you. It stays with you. And it propels you forward. Man, nothing like it. And the cool thing is, is that we all have it. Next, God will refine you through this. There's a refining process. God refined my heart. I shared that a little bit about, a little bit about that earlier. God's going to be heating up your life, taking away the impurities to get that focus you know, more and more tight. It's, it's the heart change that happens while you chase after that holy burden. And finally, you then feed into that determination with prayer. You know, when you pray for something that you're really, really excited about, it's a different kind of prayer, isn't it? it there's like something more to it. You're like, I actually care. And so when you have that, that burden inside of you and you have that determination to meet that burden, you really pray differently. And then what starts happening is you start to see the outworking of that, that, that ministry goal, that change in your heart. A change in your home, the change in the church, wherever it gets applied. Listen, I want to give you that last slide, then, then we're done. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for holy burdens. I am. Because it pushes me forward. It drives me to do something more that matters for eternity. Now, listen, these are just... The application of God's Word in your particular life. So we're not talking about you're doing something outside of what the Bible clearly already told us to do. But how we apply it is different for different people, and that's what makes it so cool. 
And we all get it as we use that gifting to further God's kingdom. What's your holy burden? What's your holy burden? What's God putting on the inside of you? Whether it be marital, whether it be parental, whether it be discipleship, whether it be worship, whether it be little kids knowing more about the Lord, whether it be some type of addiction issues, who knows? It's all over the map. That's what's so cool. Well, I want to pray. I'm going to pray. And I want to just pray for that burden to settle on the inside of you, okay? And that you can start the process of identifying your holy, your holy discontent for something. Father, I know that right now in this room, there is incredible, incredible, fierce, passionate people who love your word. I know this whole room is filled with all kinds of incredible potential people who with, with schooling and gifting and talents and abilities. This whole room is filled with people with life experience. They have shaped them. And I pray right now that you can put inside of them something for your kingdom. And we're going to celebrate every one of these holy burdens. We're going to talk about it. We're going to encourage it. We're going to pray into it. We want to see more and more people serving your kingdom. And I pray that, that this purpose that comes from this will just propel, push, just drive them forward. Now, Father, I just pray that as we pray and seek these, these just these, these holy burdens, these, these areas of our life that you're working on, I just pray that we could just be refined and just welcome that. So as we, Father, just pray into and praise along with this worship. We just pray that you can can keep working our hearts, refining us, refining us. Fine-tuning this burden. We We know you're leading us in good ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.